Number one versus number two. It's only week three of the high school football season, but there literally does not get a bigger regular season game than when you have number one, Brandon, versus number two, Clinton. That's what we get this Friday, Will. Yeah, you know, there will be, I guess, more important games later in the season, you would hope. Right, higher stake games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where more is on the line, of course. But this is really cool because, I mean, last year the conversation about this game was, okay, who's the best team in the metro area? between Clinton versus Brandon. Now we're talking who's the best team in the whole state, which is really cool for the Jackson area to be home to both those schools. And so it really kind of speaks to the level of play this year in the metro area. You know, I think it's a good example that, you know, this is one of those years for this area where it could be the best region in the state mm-hmm. when you look at it as a whole, at least in 6A, I think. You know, beyond 6A, it gets a little questionable. There are better areas, of course. But I think in 6A, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find better schools uh, with better teams than, than the metro area. Yeah, which doesn't always happen. It was only a few years ago where it was like the second round of the state playoffs and Callaway was the only team in the metro area still alive. Uh, we've seen Brandon and Clinton both have really good tests already to start this year. You know, Clinton goes up to South Panola to start off Mississippi High School football season, gets a big win, Cam Akers, um, kind of a, I don't want to say legend-making performance, but one of those benchmark I was there sort of games for him. Brandon last Friday survives a scare against Madison Central at home. Really their first big test. You were there for both of those games. So just walk me through at this point in week three, what is your mindset on both of them? I guess starting with the one you saw most recently, Brandon. Yeah, you know, Brandon, I had really high expectations for across the board. Uh, preseason number one, after week one, still number one. And even now they're still number one. But what I was most impressed with, of course, was their secondary. And I don't know if maybe I was so impressed with their secondary, I kind of felt a little, I don't know, not as impressed with everybody else. Maybe it's just because I thought so highly of that one group that I was kind of judging from, from all the other aspects because that does tend to happen sometimes. But I do think that they need uh, a couple more weeks to gel offensively. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of saw against Madison Central that they could be out of sync really, really quickly. And a lot of that is due because they have a wide receiver who's injured and one of their running backs has been hurt as well. So they have depth at those positions, so it's not like – a big deal because those guys, you know, at, at wide receiver, they're looking to spread the ball around, and at running back, they're looking to give three guys carries anyway. So it's not the biggest of deals that those guys were missing, uh, but it does kind of uh, throw a wrench into sort of what their offensive plans were going into that game. And I think on defense, uh, I mean, their secondary, I think, is probably the best in the state. And beyond that, their, their front seven really showed me a lot, too. I mean, they were able to get in the backfield a lot, especially in the fourth quarter of that game where they began to win that battle at the line of scrimmage. So I think across the board, when you look at Brandon's defense, um, they can they can kind of speak to that number one ranking. But on offense, I think they got a little bit more work to do. And then I, you know, for Clinton, of course, you know, it, like you said, I mean, the, the Cam Maker show was on, on full blast uh, against South Panola. That was one of those games where you kind of saw, you know, the beginning of something special in terms right. of his senior season. And um, that's what I tried to write in that game story, too, is just the fact that this is probably going to happen more times than it's not. It's just the first time against a really good team. Uh, it was kind of funny. I was, I was on Twitter, and, uh, you know, WJTV had, had a story on Brandon calling uh, Clinton the Cam Arrows because of Cam White and Cam <laughs> Akers. 
Uh, <laughs> poke that bear. Yeah, poke right. It. Just poke it right there in the face. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do that, you know. No, for, for no. To, to a team that's more than that, though. I mean, they really are because you, by saying that, you know, you're discrediting Darius Mayberry, who's really a, gr- a great running back in his own right. Uh, he's a Division One player. Uh, they got a couple of other guys on offense that are that are breaking out this year that you just don't really know about because they weren't really asked to do a whole lot last year, and now they are as you know number two, number three type receivers. And I think their defense is much improved. Uh, it's kind of hard to take away from a South Panola team that you know kind of struggling offensively. You know, zero and two for the first time in what sixteen years, and then um, you know they they play uh, another game against uh, Ridgeland and kind of throw throw that yeah. out a little bit too because that's not exactly. Uh, I mean, Cam literally hit a dude so hard that the kid's helmet came off. I saw that, yeah. I think everybody, <laughs> was, saw, everybody yeah, saw that. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was a red like, Yeah, you probably just want to get out of the way. Um, okay, not yeah. a fair matchup Listen, there. Listen, that kid earned a starting spot for the rest of the year because for the rest of the year, Ryan Ernest can look at that kid and go, you know what? That freight train was coming, and you did exactly what you were supposed to do and hung in as best you could, son. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see what the effects are after that. You know, <laughs> I, I would love to know how that kid felt in the morning after. Uh, probably, if I had to guess, just like as if somebody were to be ran over by a train. He wasn't sure it was Saturday, I'm guessing. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Not to make light of concussions. No, but, no. But, no, yeah, but. That, was a, that was a humdinger. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, but Brandon has some big guys. I don't know if... if uh, you know, I expect a close game, but I do expect Clinton to win just because Brandon has a couple of injuries. I don't think yeah. Rodney Hawkins is going to play. He suffered an injury against Madison Central, and that's, you know, they're, him and Shadaren Archer are kind of like 1A, 1B guys in their secondary. Without one, they're still, they, they're still pretty deep, but he, he already has, you know, two, three picks on the season, um, two touchdowns already. I mean, this, guy, this guy's a really good player, and to be missing him on defense will – will you know, be quite a drawback for Brandon, I think. Yeah, the big thing to me about this game and why I'm picking Clinton is it goes back to the defensive backs, and that being such the strength of Brandon. If you took away those defensive backs, that they're not the number one team. It's like, that's so much of their identity uh, and the way they won that Madison Central game, creating turnovers. I don't. I, I think if you're Judd Boswell, you go like, that's great. I'm just going to run the ball. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run the ball. I'm... I got Cam Akers. I got Darius Mayberry. I'm just going to run the ball. I mean, and we'll throw if we have to. We'll throw if the op- if you put eight guys in the box, maybe they'll try to run something for Cam White or something like that. But uh, but I think this is a game where Clinton's going to come out there and say we're going to try to run the ball 50 times. It'll work, I think. Right, I think and, it'll and, work. And that is the challenge if you're Brandon is that you have to prove that you're a total all 11 guy defense and not just a couple of playmakers in the back end. That was the one thing that kept Madison Central in that game, and not even in the game, but that's the, that's the one thing offensively that was actually working for Madison Central, especially in that first half. Gabe Short, their running back, he's a pretty good running back, uh, but he had 80 yards in the first half. And then all of a sudden their defense played a lot better in the second half, and right. they got some early scores, and they forced uh, Madison Central to be more of a passing team in the secondary, I mean in the second half, and that's how they won that game in the second half. So I think you're right with uh, the fact that if, if Clinton runs the ball and they have success and if they can dictate the game that way, they, they will win the game, I think. Cam Akers, obviously the number one player in this high school class. Fabian Franklin from Hattiesburg, number one running back, number one player right now in the class of 2017. And it looks like that's going to be the exact same thing for 2018 as well. 
Yeah, it's 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 really strange. I mean, here you have, and we talked about this when we were doing the Cam Makers preview story that you know, he was the first. You have to go back to Jarius Norwood uh, right. to find the last time a running back in Mississippi was Mississippi's top prospect. That's going back a little ways, and now here we have actually three years in a row with Acres as it stands now. At least it could always change. It could change tomorrow for all we know. But it's as it stands right now. It's Acres. Fabian Franklin from Hattiesburg and Jerry Neely from Jackson Prep in the 2019 class as the number one prospect. The only the only Mississippi prospect ranked in the top 100 for 247 right now too. So I mean that all could change, but it kind of does speak to the level of quality for that position in this state. You know I'm kind of looking into why that's the case and you know getting different opinions on why that has all of a sudden changed. Where you know right. here you have a state known for offensive linemen. Occasionally defense, defensive ends, but never really running back to the degree that it is right now. Yeah, for a little bit for the the recruiting people that they're all familiar with Akers. If you follow recruiting at all, you're familiar with him. But the other two, what makes them different, um, and what are their recruiting situations looking like? You know, Franklin is a guy who you could depend on to just really give you a lot of carries in a game. He's a big-bodied guy. Uh, he's, he's just that type of running back that you can go to and say, hey, we need 30, 35 carries even in this game. And you'll be able to do it just because of his frame is so big. And he's very dangerous in the backfield as a, as a re- receiving target, too. Really good hands. Um, you know, he, he has a, a bunch of offers in the SEC, but he's still holding out on what we reported earlier on that LSU offer that's still not there for him, but it is somehow his top school. It, it, it's really strange. It's kind of like... Well, it makes sense in a way because he grew up rooting for the team. He's That's, visited a couple yeah. of times. So it makes sense in a way. Just the way he words it is, is funny because how could it be your top school if they're not even – if they haven't extended the offer yet to you? So it's his dream school. If they offered, my hunch and, is that he right, would Right. Essentially what he's saying is it's his dream school and the moment they offer, they're the leader. Yes. Which is, which is in its own way more honest than being like, well, of the schools that have offered me, here's my top school. If that's not really your top school, and if he's really as good as a lot of people think he is, there's a pretty good shot that LSU offer eventually comes. I think so. Uh, you know, it is really odd to be that honest about it, too. Right. So I appreciated it. <laughs> I mean, right, exactly. Like, there's sure. a lot of, you know, a lot of want to play the game, but, you know, if you know what you want, say what you want. Absolutely. He actually had a uh, he had to go through the concussion protocol last week uh, against Laurel. Uh, he was he was off to a really good game, and that really kind of got me thinking to do that story. Right. Was in that in that first half where he was just like I think he had maybe three touchdowns already. He was just on his way to really having a, a breakout performance where we wouldn't even need to have the background discussion on what makes him so good because it would have already been written about by so many different people by now. Uh, but he ended up leaving the game early. Um, went through the concussion protocol we'll still do that to make sure that he's okay to play friday uh but coach tony van said that he should be able to play or he thinks he'll be able to play it wasn't as serious as they probably feared at the mm-hmm. time so that's good news for hattiesburg they're i'm not sure if they, they necessarily need him this week to win to win their game this week but it of course helps them to have their star player on offense and you don't want the you want the concussion to be like easy process to get through it you don't want it to be something that's hanging around oh no absolutely not especially for a guy like we said who is his big part of their offense expecting right. to get a lot of carries you don't want him sidelined at all or you know even in a position where some of his you know load on offense is sacrificed because of something like that 
Right. All right. What about the JP kid? Yeah, I think I think he's a special running back. I mean, it's, it's kind of you kind of take his stats with a grain of salt because once uh, Jackson Prep jumps out to like that twenty-one nothing lead or whatever it was against Washington, the kid was on the sideline the whole game. So he ends up with like three or four carries for a hundred yards and a touchdown. And you're like, does this kid do anything or like what's, what is the case? And I think Antonio. Uh, Morales um, wrote about last week the fact that the first play of the game, I think, or something like that, was just a simple pitch to uh, Ely. He runs it, you know, from, from the line of scrimmage, probably like 80-yard play or something like that, but it was called back. Um, it would have been a touchdown. That kind of set the tone, you know, even though it didn't really count. It kind of set the tone that this is what they were going to do. They ended up doing it anyway, but that just goes to show you right. his explosiveness. A couple of days later uh, this week, he picks up an offer from Mississippi State. Uh, so that makes two offers for him, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. You know, kind of that in-state battle going on for him at 2019. So good for him. Um, but, yeah, just just surprisingly for, for this state, I mean, when I got here, all I heard was big offensive linemen sort, sort of state uh, yeah. bringing out those guys. But here we are, you know, and it's uh, skill position galore uh, for at least this year, next year, and 2019, I guess. Right. Uh, we're going to talk more about football in the MS Trust podcast, but while we're talking about recruiting, uh, let's talk about Nick Weatherspoon for a minute. The Velma Jackson point guard. He's been one of the stories, I think, of the basketball recruiting summer, the way he has shot up. I mean, a year ago at this time, people in Mississippi knew who he was, but even they kind of knew him as Quindary Weatherspoon's little brother. Not only has he kind of stepped out of that shadow, he's become a five-star prospect that suddenly has offers from everybody, and now the process has begun of people trying to say that he's trimmed everything down. Because <laughs> that's what yeah. happens. Yeah, that, that, that is what happens. You know, just quickly with uh, Quindary, I think in more sooner than later, Quindary will be the one referred to as Nick's brother. Right. And right. Just, Nick has an older brother who played yeah. Mississippi State. <laughs> yeah, he played at Mississippi State for a few years, and he was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You know, Nick Weatherspoon's brother. I think that's going to be the conversation in a, more sooner than later. And that's also what I told Nick kind of the first time I met him, because that was the, the gist of our conversation was just – his whole life, he's been referred to as Quindari's brother. Right, uh, like you said, nobody really knew who he was from a national scene. Of course, last year, here he goes on the AAU circuit and just dominates every single every everywhere he goes. He just dominated, and that's on offense and defense, which really stands out to to everybody who watches him as far as assistants go. And that's a big reason why the you know K- Kentuckys of the world, Kansas, Louisville. Uh, even Duke is interested in him. And it's a lot because he plays both ways, and he plays hard both ways. Uh, you know, there was a report out there saying that he had trimmed his list to North Carolina State and Mississippi State, and I checked in with him about that, and he shot that one down real quickly. Uh, you know, he was really surprised that it even came out because it was never anything that he said. Right. And the report never attributed it to Nick either. It was just sources have said that Nick has trimmed his list, and that's going to happen every time somebody is a four-star, five-star in either sport. I think especially in basketball, that's a little bit more prevalent for whatever reason. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if those were the two schools at the end of the day that it comes down to. It's just not there yet. You know, he's still holding out on the Kentucky offer, which will change things immensely. Yeah. And, you know, there there's a couple of other schools, you know, namely a school named North Carolina. That, that's pretty good at the basketball I mean, thing. Duke. Yeah. I mean, like, there's some schools on this list. <laughs> yeah. it, it's not exactly like, just, you know. Like, the fact that Mississippi State's a finalist should surprise absolutely no one. 
for, you know, obviously for the Quindary Weatherspoon connection because, you know, Q is now, as a sophomore, probably the team's best player, at least going into the year. And, you know, Ben Hallen has recruited like crazy. I mean, he brought in a great recruiting class, so it should surprise no one that a top in-state town would be considering the Bulldogs, even, you know, if the familial connections were not there. Um, nationally, if it really, truly came down to a Wolfpack versus Bulldogs thing i would be surprised because you know i'm from north carolina and i actually covered nc state for a little while and i'm from you know raleigh and uh it's a very very short list of guys that all three schools have wanted that nc state didn't get told very early on well thanks but bye i mean that just doesn't happen so i will i will be very surprised just from that standpoint if it ends up being that you know, I was shocked when he first started mentioning NC State, actually, because, you know, I'm going through it, you know, when he first started collecting the big offers, they all kind of came in at once during the spring, actually. Late spring is when they all right. started rolling around. And so I would ask him, like, you know, how do you feel about this school? How do you feel about that school? And, like, I felt almost like, eh, I don't got to ask him about this one, <laughs> sort of thing. And then I just, like, shot it out there, like, yeah, you know, what do you, what do you think about NC State? And he's like, oh, no, they'll, they'll, they'll be at my top of, top of my list. And then you kind of get into why and how, and it does make sense. I mean, they've, they've told him flat out, you're, you're going to be able to be a one-and-done player here right. if you come here, which is definitely very appealing for him. That's going to be a big part of his process is which school will allow me to do that and where can I flourish and be that type of player. NC State then makes sense in that, in that sense. Right. Duke makes sense in that perspective, too. I mean, they, Tyus Jones is a one-and-done guy at a point guard position because there's not a lot of one-and-done point guards. That's a hard position to kind of do that for the same way that it was hard for, you know, point guards to go straight out of high school. Sebastian Telfair was, like, pretty much the only one. Um, Kentucky obviously would make a lot of sense if that's your focus. If that's the one-and-done thing, then UK, obviously, it's hard to beat that in terms of turning pros into pros. Um, but, yeah, North Carolina hasn't you know, had, they went to the national title game last year, but it was just a bunch of juniors and seniors. Lately, they have not had a lot of guys that have quickly turned into, you know, Harrison Barnes was the last one. What's Sebastian Telfair doing these days? China? Overseas, right? I would, I'm going to look it up right now and, and provide some really great radio as I look this up, but I'm my, <laughs> mo- my money is on China. He was one of the big time, like, New York players. Oh, yeah. Like, we have that, you know, I guess, stereotype that we have, like, the high school kids, and they never really amount to much. You know, if you look at the, if you look at the guys, I mean, like, Lance Stevenson was supposed to be, like, a big deal for New York City, and no team even wants him now, and the guy's supposed to be at the prime of his career. So especially Telford always sort of reminds Whenever somebody mentions that, it kind of reminds me that, you know, that Hoop Dreams moment. Where <laughs> you're like, yeah, this didn't really work out the way we thought it was. So he act he did play in China for the 2014-15 season. I don't know where he was last year. His whereabouts appear to be unknown, according to his <laughs> Wikipedia page. Uh, but he signed with a team in Italy uh, just a couple of days ago. So that's happening. Well, best of luck to Sebastian Telfair. Best of luck to Sebastian Telfair, who's now 31. We're all Damn. so old. He had a couple of good years, didn't he, though? For I mean, he was in the NBA for 10 years. Like, he's a huge bust. But he did have a 10-year NBA career. He never yeah. actually played in those 10 years. <laughs> but he w- but he got 10 years of NBA salaries. Yeah, my, my, my high school knowledge, 
has been so like wide that I don't even know like, what's going on in like the NBA and the NFL. And I have a NFL fantasy draft tonight too that I may post on Twitter asking for help, and I will pay somebody for, to help me with this draft because it's been 13 years since I've won a state, won a uh, I was gonna say state championship, <laughs> won a fantasy championship. 2003, my first year ever playing fantasy was a championship, seventh grade. I gave up fantasy football. Couldn't Did win? You, no, I just, I, I didn't, I stopped enjoying it because the, the God's honest truth is I don't watch much NFL. Yeah, same here. I mean, that, like, that that's the thing, especially during, I mean, college season. Right, during, I spend, all, you know, I, I try to tell people, it's like I spend all day Monday through Saturday worrying and covering a college football team, worrying about my coverage and, and covering the college football team. Um, on Sunday comes, and I still have to work, but, like, the last thing I want to do is, like, then sit down and watch more football. I'm much more likely to be like, um, let's go do something with the family or um, watch a crappy movie or, like, I I'm, I'm much prefer doing that, something, a break, a mental break from it rather than, like, you know, sitting down for an NFL game. I, you know, and, and a couple of times I've covered an NFL game on Sunday. I've like it's. I've wanted to kill myself because the only <laughs> thing, the only thing worse than being at home and watching all the commercials is sitting in an NFL stadium watching nothing during all the commercials. Yeah, my my Sundays will be filled doing the Super Ten. So, and small school ten. That's right. That's right. Shout out to because, Charleston being the number you, one small you push, school. You pushed that through on me. Yes, yes, and and hey, people people liked it. Charleston was very happy with being oh, number I'm one. I'm sure Charleston was very happy. Small schools. You created a poll just to put them number one. You're a huge <laughs> Charleston homer. Everybody hey, knows that. Charleston beat a six A school last week. Olive they did. They 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 not only beat them, they wide margin. Yeah, right. That was not a close game. No, no. Week two had its big share of upsets and surprise it wins. Did. I really think that that was one of them because you don't really see that too often. You know, a, a, a two A school beat, beating a six A school. Yeah, I, I mean, that, I mean that was fairly surprising, and because there were so many other games that were, you know, South Panola losing, um, you know, Petal losing. Uh, Help me out! I'm trying to think of what else was. You know, you had the Knoxville County Starkville game. There were several other games that I think were grabbing more attention because of that. Charleston Olive Branch kind of slid under the radar, but that was one of those games that Saturday morning you look, you're like, "Whoa! Like that happened? How did that happen?" Yeah, you know that that Super Ten was very difficult to put together on that Sunday. I'll say that much because you know you had two teams drop out in Columbus and South Panola. But I want to make a, a guarantee for next week's Super Ten. Okay, Columbus will be right back in it. You think? I do think. Why? What gives you that confidence? I think they're going to beat New Hope, uh, and they're going to beat them in such a such a fashion that they will put themselves right in the thick of it. And it's also because there aren't that many, I consider, elite 6A schools when you think about it. There's about three or four that you really say to yourself, mm-hmm. okay, these are, these are the premier 6A schools that, that are really good. And then after that, Columbus is right there. I you do know, think so they're that talented. Brandon, Clinton, Starkville. Starkville. That's pretty much it, in my opinion. Yeah. Starkville is better than I thought they were going to be. And they're going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought they were going to be good. Um, I They're better right now than I thought they were going to be. 
After that, though, you have Pedal, which is kind of a questionable team because you go from scoring 60 points in week one to 12 in week two. Right. I'm not so convinced. What, what happens? Yeah, I don't know what you are. I don't think right. you know what you are. So I can't really do too much with that. And then afterward, you got a team like, you know, Warren Central, pretty good team. Not great. Other schools like that, Northwest Rankin, pretty good team. Not what you call a great team yet. Madison Central's in that conversation. Meridian's in that conversation. But I do think Columbus is a better team than all those schools. And I think it's just a matter of their offensive line. Uh, they got a lot of new starters. They got three or four new starters on that offensive line, and that's a big reason why Kylan Hill hasn't been able to get going. Once he does, they'll be able to click offensively a lot better than they have. And that's, that's been the difference the past two weeks. Absolutely. What else is going on in week three that has uh – caught your eye you know speaking of Starkville they had that big game against West Point which is the 5A favorite and you know we're, we're I'm expressing how high I am on Starkville they have to win that game to sort of keep themselves in that conversation that, that we're talking about as far as the elite teams in 6A uh, interesting note about their starting quarterback he is the first ever sophomore starting quarterback for coach Ricky Woods hmm. so who who is not a man who has just embarking on his high school coaching no. career. <laughs> no, he's got he's got quite a few years. It is not. Adult. It is not in its infancy. No, <laughs> we're, we're not exactly referring to a first year coach here. Right. Uh, but that kind of just speaks to the turnover that Starfield had from their state championship team. But I don't think he goes to a sophomore quarterback if he doesn't have that trust in him. So another thing I'm looking out for is uh, in the MAIS, actually, if Jackson Academy can keep rolling in their game this week, uh, going to Tennessee against a really good Tennessee team. Briarcrest, yeah. Yeah, which uh, probably sounds a little bit familiar to folks over the here. The Fighting Hugh Freezes. Yes. <laughs> the, the Fighting Hugh Freeze slash Michael Wars. Yes. So we'll see how they do. Um, this is a team that didn't score more than 30 points in a game, so have scored 35 already twice, 2-0 against Larry, uh, under Larry Weems. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in week three and going forward. Yeah, that that is one of those. JA is one of those teams that we didn't know what to make of going into the year, just because new coach and you never know how much that's going to really impact, um, uh, especially an MAIS program where you know it's not. I mean, it's high school football. It's not like you're all of a sudden like get all this. So much is dependent on what the coach is able to do with what is there. Um, but J.A. has really been a surprise. I mean, and, and we're hearing you, J.A. fans. We promise we're going to cover you just as soon as you get home. <laughs> it's been difficult. Just I come mean, home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just get here and play that PCS game, and we'll be yeah, there for PCS you. Yeah, that PCS game. We're circling that one. And that's going to be that's going to be a difficult task for them to contain Isaiah Woolard, who already has, I think, more than 500 rushing yards on the season. Only been two games. So Yeah, Chris Whitaker, our sports playing editor, told me um, today, that uh, Isaiah is like fourth nationally in rushing yards. Yeah, that's not bad. It's, I mean, you may get no. that three thousand mark again, right? Which uh, I don't know if there's been two, has there been two guys in Mississippi to rush for more than three thousand yards twice. There's only been about five or six guys to ever do it, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look at the list, but that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't see why he would be able to do it. <laughs> he already has close to six hundred in two games. Well, why? And and he doesn't suffer from like the same issue that you know. Jerry on Ely does where it's like four or five carries. No, they, <laughs> they feed this guy the ball, that's for sure. This guy's averaging about 35 he's, carries a game. Yeah, he's, get, he's getting his carries. Speaking of fantasy, man, you'd love this guy on your team. There's no way the guy's coming out of the game. 
There's no way he's not getting 30, 35 carries, and there's no way he's not getting more than 200 rushing yards for you. Right. You want to draft him, and you want to draft everybody from State Stanislaw at the PPP <laughs> League. <laughs> yeah, you want to get that. Uh, uh, I forget his first name, but Brett Favre has a nephew on State Stanislaw, actually. He was like the backup QV. You probably want to stash him if you're in a keeper league. Yeah. So he's, he's, in, he's in the wings whenever Miles Brennan uh, moves on, which has felt like forever. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and call it an afternoon here on the MS Preps podcast. Uh, He's Will Salmon. I'm Hugh Kellenberger. We, as always, will have complete coverage of the high school football night Friday night on clarionledger.com. You can catch the live updates. Look on Twitter on the MS Preps hashtag, and you will see uh, everybody that's having the conversation about what's going on across Mississippi. And then we'll be staffing games across the state uh, with videos, photo galleries, everything. A complete multimedia experience. Uh, to let you know what happened in the biggest games in the state. Thanks, everybody, for listening.